This is For Sale, written by Mac Anderson Cooper, performed by Kevin Osu. Content warning, discussions of suicide. sale bargain prices none of that cheap shit would only leaves your skin bruised I got the good stuff that high quality pristine pain gotta have your ribcage ravaged and splintered from the explosion that is your heart pain pain for sale hey you there Yes, you. And you. I see you looking over here. Do you want some pain? <coughs> the bird is not my pet. The bird is my child. You see, when I was 35 years old, I made love to a goddess named Porla. She made me fall in love with her. And so I tried to give her a baby, and she started to swell up. Because once I set my mind to something, I do it damn witch told me she didn't have time. Didn't have time for my baby, so she was gonna pluck it out of her by the root. I begged her. I begged her not to, and she told me begging was for the birds. I said, then turn me into a bird. Let me beg you for my baby. She said to me, she said, I've made a beggar of you, my love. Look at you. On your knees with your black hands outstretched. Your beautiful black hands. Did you ever fancy yourself a beggar before? I told her no, but I'd never tried to give anyone a baby either. She laughed at that, and she said, I won't turn you into a bird. And she plucked my baby out of her by the root crushed it up into her palm like dough and rolled it into a bird. Dusted it off and laid the wet, damp thing in my beautiful black hands. They were still outstretched. And then she left and I never saw her again. <laughs> Which was all the well and good because it was honestly really fucking traumatic. I said, that's plenty of pain for me. What do you say, baby bird? Plenty of pain for me! Plenty of pain for me! Plenty of pain for me! Yes, that's right. Yes, that's right! Plenty of pain for me! Plenty of pain for me! Which brings us back to you! Because plenty of pain for me, but not plenty of pain for you. You see, when the goddess plucked my baby out of her by the root and rolled out a bird, I realized I had a song to sing. You know the people who go through life never having had their baby plucked out by the root and rolled into a bird? They're happier, but they ain't got no song to sing. What they got to sing about? Joy? Nobody writes a hit about joy. Joy is too fast. It's top 40. It's today. Today only. Never tomorrow. It's the songs about pain that last for generations. But if you don't have pain, 
how the hell are you gonna write about it? And if you can't write about it, how you gonna get all the rich and fame? I sang about losing the baby, gaining the bird, and suddenly people were giving me things, things I never asked for. Accolades, money, new shoes. The sadder I was, the more people wanted to give me. They didn't want to talk to me or turn my baby back into a bird. They wanted me to stay sad so they could pour sorries on me. I swam in the sorries of the helpers, hand holders, heap makers, hell raisers, hope donors. Shit. That's when I knew I had discovered oil, so to speak. Because you, you look like you thirsty to write a song that lasts generations, but your back ain't got the curve to it, like a back bent with pain. Your step doesn't have the lean and spring back as somebody knocked to their knees. So, lucky for you, here I am to sell you the pain you're looking for. Oh, you want to paint for generations? Not sing a song. Well, I was close, wasn't I? I'm sorry, what? You'd like to buy my bird? The bird is not for sale. What the hell is wrong with you? That's my only child. I mean, I know it's a bird, but it's, it's not really a bird to me. And, and besides, you don't want that kind of pain. It won't help you paint. It'll make you curl in on yourself and curdle. It's the pain of not being who you truly are, ever. You don't ever get to be seen, see. You only get to be heard. And it's, it's not even your real voice. Nobody wants that kind of pain. Besides, you can't have it. It's the only thing I've got. And I'm the only thing they've got. Your shoulders can't take the weight anyway. My shoulders are going, but they're here. My shoulders are getting more narrow every day. Can't bring myself to eat. It hurts too much. Speaking of, you want hunger pain? I got that in bulk. At Costco. <laughs> or listen, I got fandom pain. It's incredibly popular these days. People love to talk about all kind of pain they have, but not actually, actually have to feel it in their chest. Phantom pain you can feel in your brain. You don't have to feel it in your soul. So it's incredibly popular. It comes in all kinds of flavors too. You want onion pain? Sharp, fast, painless, mostly? It does the job when you need a quick hit. Pinch your nose and slice through the onion, layer by layer, till you hit its center. By the time you hit that center, ooh, baby, you'll be sniffing and sobbing up a storm like you just watched one of them surprise military homecoming videos. What's that now? Uh, I'm all sold out of the surprise military homecoming videos. They've been out of stock for a while. Military is out these days. Unless... You want veteran suicide? It's a deep cut, but it's really effective. No? Yeah, I get that. Anything but my bird, baby. 
anything but my baby bird. They ain't for sale. And if you steal them, I'll kill you. You'll be back, and I'll still be here. Paying, paid for sale. Hello, and welcome to the Chef's Monologue. A podcast where we, your hosts, Philip Kenner and me, Michael Wilder Frizzell, invite our favorite writers to cook up an original short monologue based on a recipe that we provide. Then we interview those iconic writers about their process, thoughts on theater, film, TV, etc., and deliver it directly into your hungry ears. We are so happy you're here with us today for our episode with Mac Anderson Cooper. A legend. A legend. Please welcome into your ears, Mac Anderson Cooper. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, I've never been introduced before. Hi. Hi, Mac Anderson Cooper. Hi, guys. <laughs> How are you? I'm great. How are you all? <clears throat> We're wonderful. Tell us about this piece. How did you first start writing it? Uh, yeah. So this piece, so when you asked me to do the the monologue, um, I was like, oh, I don't remember, like, how to make a whole monologue. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had been thinking about writing a play about someone who sells pain. Uh, and when one of the ingredients for the Bake Off, not Bake Off, the chef's monologue, <laughs> silver, <laughs> copyright infringement. <laughs> They're coming for us. They're coming for us. Oh my God. Paula's like, shut it down. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, I was. I wanted to write a play about someone who sold pain. And so the secret, in, er, nope, the ingredients were one of the first ones was a transaction, right? Mm-hmm. And how did it change to where it's current form that we just heard? Well, even just hearing Kevin saying it out loud, I was like, oh, this needs to change. This needs Mm -hmm. to change. Mm -hmm. Um, And also, like, the question you were asking and that Kevin was asking about, like, is the goal of the monologue, like, does the merchant get lost in what he's talking about? Like, is Mm -hmm. he distracted? Or, like, is the purpose to, like, definitely make this sale? I was like, oh, I need to, like, realize that I need to clarify more what's more important to the merchant, like telling his story versus making the sale. Mm-hmm. So I feel like when I first started it, I was thinking a lot about like just telling the story. But I think hearing Kevin read it today, I was like, oh, I see how the drive is also very important to make the sale. Um, so those elements came up more for me. That didn't mm-hmm. super answer your question about how it was at the beginning versus later. Um, I think it touched on, you just touched on this thing that is so true, and that is, I feel like, an, a unanimous experience, whether you're the writer in a room, director in a room, you're the dramaturg, actors are magic. Like, you think you've written one thing, you think you're directing one scene, and then actors make a choice, and you're like, what the <laughs> fuck? Oh, I didn't know my play was about X, Y, or Z, because it took an actor coming in and bringing their own artistry to it. And it sounds like that's what happened just now with Kevin, you were like, oh, fuck, that's what this monologue is about. Yeah. Uh, actors are the most amazing people mm-hmm. ever. 
on the planet, period, full stop. Full stop. Larry took us first. (laughs) (laughs) You heard it here first. The chef's monologue. Playwrights are the worst. Oh, that's all three of us. (laughs) This is true. (laughs) Hate to break it to you. Hate to break it to you. So I'm curious, in your directing, but mostly your writing, how does this monologue line up or depart from what you usually like experimenting with or exploring? What I usually, my immediate response was like, oh, it's a bit confusing, doesn't belong on this planet, and is all over the place, which is in how it aligns with what I usually do <laughs> and work with. Um, I think, well, for me, the so the question, I think where it aligns with what I usually do, right, is exploring, I'm interested in exploring conversations that are happening now, but that have been happening forever, um, but trying to subvert what that looks like. Um, and so the reason I'm interested in the merchant selling pain is because there are so many stories that are told that are about pain and people make profit off of them, but then mm. people don't want to hear like blue sky story, like cheerful, joyful stories. Um, like for example, you know, um, a play or a movie or a TV show that has a gay character, a trans character, a non-binary character. There seems to be this need from producers and the people who are like making everything for it to be about the pain of that identity mm-hmm. um, as opposed to, oh, this is a story about whoop-de-whoop and the characters happen to be trans, non-binary. Um, and similarly uh, with black stories, stories that are... Uh, you know, th- people are like, oh, I only want to make it if it's about, like, slavery or, like, the pain, um, mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, a superhero movie that just, like, happens to have all black actors. Um, and I think that there's something about, like, artists who have to use that pain to get stories made because people are like, oh, the pain is profitable. Like, mm-hmm. no one wants to buy tickets to go and see something featuring a non-binary character if it's not about how, like, the non-binary character is like, it's so hard to be non-binary and mm-hmm. my parents hate me and mm-hmm. everything sucks and now I'm going to sing a big jazz number and it's all fine. Um, I don't know what movie I was just describing. <laughs> Probably Prom. <laughs> 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 um, that being said, I would love if a non-binary character just broke out in a jazz number. That would feel the truest to my life. Right. <laughs> so let me wrap this around, which I really spiraled. So I'm thinking about how there are people who co-opt that pain for profit, like telling stories when they don't necessarily like, have like the lived experience of that pain, mm-hmm. but they want to make like great art. Mm-hmm. And it's like only great art, like paint, like has to be like born of like suffering, like the star, mm-hmm. you know, like the, the suffering artist, whatever. So I was curious about the idea of someone who has tapped into that market of like, oh, if you have pain, you can make a profit off of it. 
and selling it to people who don't have that pain, but they're like, let me buy some pain so that I can like write my Pulitzer Prize winning novel about <laughs> overcoming this hardship in my life. Because I think that that's super fucked up. And I think it's mm -hmm. an interesting, I think it's fascinating. So <laughs> mm, you're like, this is delicious. I'm going to use this. Right. And so, and I feel like, but it's not like, that's not like an easy thing to write about. So I feel like going all the way back to your question of like, how does it align? Like, I'm really, I love stuff that I can't, I don't immediately agree with all sides of it. Does that make sense? Yes. Like that there are like multiple points of view mm -hmm. and that like each point of view is fully fleshed out. Like, obviously we know who the villains are in a lot of stories, but like, if those villains aren't full people, then it's not as compelling to me mm -hmm. as far as like how it doesn't fit in with what I normally do. Uh, the main character is a dude. <laughs> <laughs> Case point. <laughs> Which is different. I mean, <clears throat> the merchant could probably be anyone, but I am interested in it being played by a man. Mm -hmm. Mac, you have to tell us your secret ingredient. Oh, my secret ingredient is just goddesses. 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 Mm -hmm. Oh, that's delicious. Like the dressing. Yeah. Like goddess oh. dressing. Yeah. <laughs> yes, or the miss. Okay. Listeners well, you of know the what? Chef's monologue. Okay, here's Tell the thing. me you know what the fuck goddess dressing is. No, I know what goddess dressing is. And also, absolutely not in like the full version of this one person. I would love this to be a one person show featuring the ghost of Sarah Kane eventually. Um, but speaking of pain. Um, You're going to have to talk more about that. Finish your thought, and then we're going to get back to the ghost of Sarah Kane. Um, that should have been my secret ingredient. That's actually what the goddess is. It's the ghost of Sarah Kane. <laughs> oh my god, amazing. Um, I should write that down so I don't Sarah forget. Sarah Kane, except when she comes back as a ghost, she's just salad dressed. <laughs> <laughs> she's oh, that's like, I wrote blasted and now I'm on top of kale. And now I'm <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm imagining it's like whatever the page in 448 Psychosis where it's just like numbers so it's just like you walk you open your door and your house is being haunted by the ghost of Sarah Kane and there's just like salad dressing everywhere in like numbers oh my god yeah and that makes a lot of sense to me mm. yeah <laughs> when all three of us go to playwright hell there's just gonna be a big <laughs> bucket of dressing with Sarah Kane's face on it that would like be... pouring magma on us oh sounds wet what are you sorry. sounds ooh Ooh, it sounds eat, wet. Are you eating hot salad dressing? What? <laughs> Sorry. I don't know. I was thinking it's like hell. I think Phil was trying to, yeah, I was making it hellish. I don't know. So I it was, was Oh, it was a bit. It was a bit. Are you yes. all doing a bit now? I realize we haven't had many host bits. Please bit. Oh, bit. no, no, no. This is serious. I'm, I'm is... actually being haunted by the ghost of Sarah Kane and there's salad dressing all over my house. This is a, this is a plea for this help. This is my crime. Oh, no. We should. Wait, she's like, can you? I want her to come to my house. Yeah, that's what, I, that's what I said. <laughs> oh, my God. You went into the ghost of Sarah Kane in your apartment and you're like, oh, my God, Sarah, will you come to my play? <laughs> you're like, like, oh, I'm, I'm staging. in your play. You didn't know, but I'm actually there. Well, yeah, it actually sort of sounds like what salad dressing sounds like when it comes out of a <laughs> Wait, one more time for the fans. <laughs> anyway, this has been an ASMR <laughs> Thank you for listening to the chef's ASMR. <laughs> this monologue is going to be ASMR. I put so many fun sounds in it. Oh, and you haven't even heard the version with sounds? If I yet. do say so myself. If you do say so yourself. And then Kevin's bird <laughs> sounds were so funny.
listeners of the chef's monologue, you probably only heard one version of Kevin's birds thing, but he must have recorded like nine different birds. <laughs> yes. And they were each one more brilliant than the next. So whichever one you heard. I felt very, uh, uh, I felt like, what's the word I want? Full of the options that we had, like so many bird choices. Mm. Cut this out. (laughs) (laughs) Cut the monologue. (laughs) Fuck the monologue. Sorry, fuck the interview. It's just going to be bird noises (laughs) for the whole time. What's the the word for a bird person? Ornithologist. Right, we know this because of Never the Sinner plays. Oh, no, I, I know this because I'm a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, also me. This just in. Mike's a nerd. Um, what was the word? Ornithologist? One yeah. who studies birds. One who studies one birds. Who studies That's birds. what I was going to say earlier, but I was nervous it was the wrong one. So mm. I was like, let me not say it confident because mm-hmm. maybe it's wrong. I should have trusted myself. Damn it. Was that almost Anna Delvey? Almost. <laughs> Don't let her come out. She'll never go away. <laughs> We're gonna go to your to our next segment, and then you have to do the whole thing in the Anna Delvey voice. No, um, no, no, of course not. Um, but well, our segment, next segment, it is segment. a podcast. It is a podcast. You have to tell us. We are begging you to tell us your one minute stand, where you get one minute to obsess over someone in the theater, film, writing, whatever world who you are obsessed with, who you think is the best, who you want to shout out on this podcast. Okay. I'm shouting out Tyla Abercrombie. Mm-hmm. Um, Tyler wrote Relentless. It's playing at the Goodman right now. It was playing at Timeline Theater Company first. It's directed by Ron O.J. Parson. um, Parsons. And it is hands down the best play I have seen in since oil by ella hickson in Mm -hmm. london Mm -hmm. um no it's like the best play that i've seen hands down ever and i just want to shout out shout shout out tyla because the writing is uh, the writing is so sharp every character is crafted with such care and detail and love that you know everything about them and they're from a completely different period they're not like it's not dialogue that we are familiar with but the way that Tyler crafts it the storytelling is so clear and you are instantly immersed in it that it's like you come out of that place speaking a new language and the structure of it is so amazing it jumps back and forth in time through diaries and I don't want to give anything away but like every moment is virtuosic up until the until like final blackout like mm-hmm. every single every single word matters and i feel like that doesn't always happen in new plays and she doesn't waste any time with anything superfluous mm-hmm. so like that's something i really admire in a playwright Especially now, I feel like we're in this, we're in this, everything's like tight fucking 90. I don't want to have an intermission. Like, I want to go see the play at 730 and I better be out by nine. And like, for me, 
I'm like, a night at the theater is a night at the theater. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm gonna get there early, get my first drink, gonna go to act one and be amazed. And then I want intermission. And then I'm gonna go to uh, intermission and be like, oh, that first act was so good. I can't wait for act two. And then I wanna go in and I wanna watch act two and I wanna sit in and live in the world. And that's what Tyla does with Relentless. She just lets you sit in the world fully and you don't even notice time passing because like the world is so rich and it's so interesting and different um from 2022 and the world is rich but then the story of the play it's the same conversation that we're having now because nothing is new yeah my one minute stand has become like two minutes but yeah tyla abercrombie go see relentless at the goodman she's brilliant that play is so gorgeous and fully drawn. The Oh, you saw oh good, we can talk about it. Yes, okay. the scene between Janet and Franklin when they're like flirting. Full spoilers, everybody. Uh, but, I have not seen it yet, but I oh, well, I'll okay. you have eight days. Get your ass to that fucking theater. Great. Then I won't spoil anything. And by the time this episode comes out, it will have closed, unfortunately. But it's your opportunity to go on whatever website you need to and buy the fuck out of that play and yeah. read it because it is stunning. It's and a masterclass. It, it is a lesson in playwriting. Yeah. The pacing, the story, the characters. Anyway, there's one scene that's very subdued and very sexy, and I was freaking out when I saw it. Yeah, it's amazing. The whole the whole piece reads like a piece of music, and I really like when a play reads like a piece of music without mm-hmm. it being a musical. I mean, I also like musicals, but mm-hmm. the way that Relentless moves like music, the ebbs and flows, like the rests, and then like the crescendos, day crescendos are perfectly done. We're almost out of time, but... You mentioned loving musicals, and mm-hmm. I want to know what musicals you love. Okay, I'm so happy you asked me. I was um, just in New York a week and a half ago, and I went and saw A Strange Loop um, mm-hmm. by the living Michael Jackson. Um, that's his Instagram handle. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is. Um, and everyone should also go and see that. The musical is genius. The, the songs are really incredible, but also the, the books, the scenes that are in the show that I saw when I was there are very just, he puts his whole, I mean, I've read some of the interviews that he's done. He talks about how it was, it took him so long to write A Strange Loop because he had to like face certain things that he needed to write about. And it was like hard to do that, which I think something that like, I know that someone who I look up to a lot, who is a writer, Michaela Cole, um, who talks about like always writing the stories that scare you. I feel like A Strange Loop is a brilliant example of that. Um, And it's a musical. And it's a fucking fun musical. It's really fun. I'm not using like great adjectives, but it's brilliant. It's genius. Um, There's a song called uh, White Girls Can Do Anything. Mm -hmm. I feel like that song could, like everyone who has ever existed should just listen to that song. And then there would be so much more open dialogue around what it's like in our industry, in theater, to exist as an, you know, just like how the different like lanes that Hollywood and Broadway have created for artists, like whether it's a white female artist, white femme artist, queer artist, artists of color, black artists, black queer artists. There are so many lanes that have been created that I think people are afraid to talk about or like defensive to talk about. Mm-hmm. And that so- just that song like opens up like 
the chance to have conversations about it in a way that I think is positive and could help people like blur those lanes a little bit. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm saying, but A Strange Loop's fucking great. Oh, that's, I'll add that. I got to watch Relentless and I have to somehow watch A Strange Loop. It's got an open-ended run on Broadway, so hit winner, it up. Winner of the 2022 uh, Pulitzer Prize. 2020. 2020. 2020. Winner of the 2022 Tony speaking it into yeah, existence. Yeah, it's going to it fucking better. <laughs> yeah. Um, Mac Anderson Cooper, thank you for giving us the gift of this monologue, and thanks for coming and talking to us today. Thanks for the opportunity. It was so nice to see you both. This was an thanks, unbelievable Kevin. conversation. Oh, and thank you, Bennett. Thanks, B- Bennett. Bennett Pack in the booth. Mac, this was wonderful. Thank you so much for being here. Of course. Thank you. And thank you to our listeners. 